Welcome to I Have Some Notes, Side Notes Edition. Uh, we are a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. I am your fill-in host, Scott. Colin is gallivanting around the galaxy, as he so frequently does. And uh, I've been left in the driver's seat here on the podcast, but I am, as always, joined by the delightful... Greg Beaver. And uh, we are joined by our guest... Evan Adams. That is correct. Uh, we recently dissected a Star Trek film, uh, which was not particularly good at keeping its ducks in a row when it came to its own lore. And Greg wanted to expand that discussion out into a full Side Notes episode where we talk about canon. Uh, and Greg, why don't you kind of lay out your thesis here for us? What got me thinking about uh, canon in uh, um, uh, franchises, sort of, we started with Star Wars. Um, Star Wars obviously had a very famous uh, recent reboot with The Force Awakens. And when they decided that they were going to make The Force Awakens, um, there were a whole host of, of uh, Star Wars books that uh, had been considered canon amongst all of the uh, the Star Wars fans. And I think even George Lucas as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Lucasfilm did have uh, the right to... It was like a licensed work kind of thing. Yeah, kind of veto anything that they didn't uh, approve of. So the, you definitely had to get their stamp of approval. So there was certainly a, a tacit canonicity to them. Right. But there, and there was also several branches. Like the comic books kind of went in their own direction and things like that. Also true. But yeah, it was it was much like Memory Alpha, Memory Beta on the internet for Star Trek. There's like a the prime canon, and then there's like licensed works. Right, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> but they very uh, when J.J. Uh, Abrams uh, got on board and started uh, started the process of making uh, a seventh Star Wars, he very famously decided to dump all of those books and forget about them completely, and uh, and just forge ahead with a, a new canon. Um, was that him or the like Kathleen Kennedy? It may stuff? have been both. Because they have like a story group now that like, sure, is in yeah. charge of all that stuff, and uh, it may even started with the original writer. I think uh, was his name Ardent, sure. something like that. <laughs> uh, possible. <laughs> uh, but I often think about this in terms of uh, uh, Star Trek as well, because um, as I said in in our uh, last Star Trek episode, where, when we were just dissecting uh, First Contact, that. Um, I don't really consider the next generation movies canon, um, mostly because they're uh, so terrible. So my <laughs> yeah. my question is, um, should we care about canon? Does canon actually matter? Um, the the uh, the movie studios don't seem to uh, to really care about it much, especially when it comes to dollar signs. And uh, and and I'm I'm kind of wondering, like, you know, as a as a fan, should you adhere to it? Should you just pluck the uh, the canon that you like and discard the canon that you don't like? How do you guys feel about that? I have an interesting, I don't know, maybe not that interesting a view of canon, but but my view on canon has always been that it's fun, it's fun to debate and it's fun to discuss and things like that. But at the end of the day, I would prefer a production to write a good story if it happens to adhere to canon even better, but that's not a requirement for it to be good, per se. And right. You look at, or that you can play kind of fast and loose or, or take what you need or what you want. I think like Discovery's done a really good job of kind of writing up that line of being like, we have to update certain things, otherwise they're going to look like garbage. But sure. yeah. also 
doing some really deep canon things at the same time. Yeah, Star Trek's a really interesting one. Yeah. Because it, because it really, like, in uh, Star Trek Deep, Deep Space Nine, there's a famous episode where they where they uh, transport them, themselves back to right. the Tribble episode in the original series. And, you know, everything looks like the 60s television show. Yeah. So, in a way, like, the old way that the the Enterprise used was to look was sort of, like, that. established yeah. canon. So, um, but then if you look outside of that episode, they were doing a direct homage to the 50th anniversary of that, or the, whatever it was, of that episode. So, of right. course, they're going to make it look like it did in that episode instead of updating the look. Sure, yeah. And I'm not even sure at the time they really had the technology or budget to do any sort of or update to it anyway. Yeah, yeah so um, they were very much just sort of like green screening their, uh, their actors into the into the old episode. It's a fun episode. Uh, they did do a good job <laughs> so of it, yeah. that's for sure. Yeah. They did a making of uh, thing for that when they aired it, showing the behind the scenes of how they did some of that stuff. It's fun to do the side-by-side shot comparisons, but... Anyway, that's an assignment. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Canon's like, it seems like a thing that uh, causes much consternation amongst, uh, uh, amongst the, the hardcore fans of, uh, of, uh, particularly, uh, you know, comic book and, and sci-fi nerds. And, um, obviously. <laughs> comic books retcon every year. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, and, and but they, but they do like it doesn't comic books even though they keep retconning like like it's still part of like this long continuity because sure, don't they have a re- universe if, yeah because like, they have like a reason the- for all these retcons don't, <laughs> yeah. do they not that's true and I think Star Trek has had like redesigns and retcons in its DNA since the beginning pretty much oh for sure they have they've like, changed the Klingons more times than like I nine can count. times or something yeah. if you really want to be specific every um, movie gets a new Klingon. <laughs> The the reason why a lot of people get invested in the canon is because they've invested a lot of time into that franchise. So whether it be Spider-Man or Star Wars or Star Trek, um, they've been they've been with it for a long time and they're familiar with the lore and the story that's been built up to point X. And for for an author to then come along and disregard all that, I can at the very least, on an academic level, I can understand why someone who's been invested in the story up until that point would feel put out by that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it makes it feel like the investment that they've made in that story up until that point was worthless. Like, it's useless. They, sure, didn't, they right. didn't need to be reading the story up to this point. And, and I, I think a lot of people maybe take it too far. <laughs> well, but, that, yeah, like th- there's this ownership that doesn't exist. And, and again, like when if if I'm the author of a story and I've wrote written a story and you like it, great. But I'm not writing the story specifically for you, and I exactly. can do whatever I want with it. And so, like that's why that's why my belief has always been in subjective canon. Like, pick the stuff you like, and that's the stuff that's real to you, and disregard the the, the rest of it. Like Greg was even saying a moment ago, he considers TNG the TV series, a canon and the movies to be like B canon. They're their own thing. And they're, they don't ruin his enjoyment of the TV show. It makes life a lot easier too. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, but, but again, academically, I can understand why someone who's been invested in the story that long might feel bent out of shape about that. And it's, it's indicative of a long-running series that you can get bogged down in your own lore. And that's simply 
because you've written a lot. Like even yeah, eventually, at, eventually it becomes an impediment to new storytelling and, because yeah, there's so much to, to and that's why to. you want to tell new stories yeah. and kind of reset things or just be like or or get to the point make, where it's just hard a little elastic or or even get to the point where it's just hard to keep track of what's happened. Yeah, like yeah. I'm. Doctor Who gets away with it because it's all loosey goosey, timey timey wimey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's always played fast and loose with its own canon, but with Star Wars, and also retcons are built right into it. Yeah, <laughs> with, with the uh, Doctor regenerating. Yeah, which but is with, actually kind of a brilliant story device. It, in it'd some be ways. one of the most brilliant, brilliant ideas in television history. <laughs> yeah, to keep a show alive. But with a show like Star Wars, like it's been so long running, and there's been so much ancillary stuff with the extended universe that when it comes time to make a new movie, you. You almost can't keep it straight. George R. R. Martin, author of the Ice and Fire books, famously known as Game of Thrones, the TV series, um, he actually has to get in touch with some of his super fans to keep track of his own story at this right. point. Yeah. Because it's so dense and there's so many characters and there's so many moving parts and there's so much lore yeah. that he has trouble yeah. keeping it straight. Even if he has notes, it's probably not. Yeah, I've often wondered stuff. about that because I, I was like, he wrote, he like, those books are long and like, you know, like even, a even if you're, yeah, yeah, and you know, even if you're like a really fast reader, which I'm sure he is, like that would, that would still take a lot of time. If you just like, I just have one question about this one character did, you know, and yeah. I, I want to write something for him, but I don't know if it contradicts something like there are sure fans. would be, you sure would yeah. be nice um, to be able to ask someone, Hey, can yeah. you tell me if, I, if this is a bad idea? There's a, there's a group of fans who started basically like the, the song of ice and fire wiki. Yeah. And he, because they were pouring through everything and keeping track of like lineages and stuff. Yeah. He started referring to them whenever he had a question about his own, like lore or canon, he gets in touch with them and is like, uh, have I written about this character before? Yeah. And they'll be like, uh, yeah, you mentioned him here and These he did lines. this. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And so now he like remembers because again, it's just so much story going on that it's hard for him to keep track of. And so for, for a lot of writers who've written something that dense, yeah. Um, sometimes you just contradict yourself because you've forgotten something <laughs> like that. That does happen too. So, yeah, and leave it to a bunch of nerds to be able to pick that out and get angry about. Yeah, it, right? uh, back when I was uh, when I was uh, writing Inglorious Hipsters, Hipsters with uh, my buddy Jeremy, and uh, and you know it's just a, a fun comic strip, and and we were we only we had we had three main characters, and and in the beginning we had introduced like a, a couple extras, and I found even that hard to <laughs> keep track of, you know yeah. <laughs> we had like a little bit of continuity in the comic and like and, and eventually we just like sort of like dumped those those other characters out just because like it was just uh, more too difficult and that's three characters and <laughs> and obviously i'm no uh george r. r martin but like like i just can't imagine like how much he has to work through by the time he's getting to his what, what how many books has he written on that series uh that- we're up to six or seven yeah, yeah seven like i think yeah unbelievable but uh, and now you also kind of have an idea of why it takes him five or six For years sure. to turn out a new novel. Yeah, and the further down you get, the more you're locked into yeah certain things. It was supposed to be a trilogy. <laughs> yeah, and it just kept inflating on. Didn't him. he dump the entire fifth novel and rewrite it? Pretty much something like that. So it was fifth or six. That's insane. Side and, note: Am I having a stroke, or did the color change in this room? Oh yeah, <laughs> the hue lights, sunset. So it, that's okay. That's okay. I was just, I was just like, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, we're interesting worried. aside, uh, not really an aside, but uh, J.R.R. Tolkien had a really interesting relationship with canon because 
as an example, he never envisioned a third age in Middle-earth, which is where The Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit took place. He started writing The Hobbit and, and at some point realized he was still in the Middle-earth he had written about thousands of years earlier, essentially. Yeah. And so ended up rewriting, and there's two versions of The Hobbit out there, uh, The Shadows and the Dark Thing, to make the One Ring, the Ring, the One Ring instead. And then that allowed him to then do Lord of the Rings because his publisher demanded it, and he didn't even really like it that much. But <laughs> it's a footnote in the appendices of like the Silmarillion. This is like, and then the ring was destroyed in Mount Doom, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and he he even like Strider wasn't originally Aragorn, the king of Gondor. That was something that that once he was right got again. He started writing. And he's like, oh, I think this guy's Aragorn. <laughs> like things like that. Where and also I think he 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 just wanted to get it done, so was, didn't want to go back and rewrite anything. Right. <laughs> in the <yeah>. process. <laughs> Writing on typewriter probably really sucks <laughs> that yeah. way. So certainly canon is is definitely fluid within the context of the person who is doing the writing. I don't think well, there's any yeah, sort does, of question does that of that. person have the, the author- and he always envisioned it all to be evolving and changing, like any mythology does. Yeah. Which is why yeah. it's ironic that his son is such a stickler for like canon. When Tolkien himself was like, no, I want other works of art to be made with this that change it and let it evolve and yeah, know, all let those it, sorts of let things. it become something else. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's how much like a language uh, mythology evolves and lives yeah. is by continuing to be retold and retold and retold and evolving, which is what he loved about myth. Yeah, and language for that matter. And language for that matter. As a, yeah, linguist. As a linguist. <laughs> and he he yeah he keenly understood that, that that was a big piece of of what makes a story good. Yeah, and 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 uh, evolution in any story, and, and certainly a, a long series is is necessary if it's going to continue. And and I I think that maybe um, something that uh, that some fans may struggle to totally understand. Obviously, um, most famously with the Last Jedi, <laughs> where the Last Jedi uh, made some uh, fairly bold decisions, and uh, and fans were really upset but like if 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 you don't take any chances and you don't do anything bold then what are we watching it for it's a boring film yeah that's predictable. it's just derivative and that's one thing that and that was the argument about the about the yes. force awakens yeah. everyone force was complaining awakens. that it was just derivative of the <laughs> of the original movie so the next movie it's they, two the same now it's two different basically yeah <laughs> i want my porridge just right. the problem with star wars is the fans i just like to say for sure <laughs> that seems to be the case and that was something we touched on in our last side notes where we talked about toxic fans yeah. Oh, yeah. oh right yeah yeah, I mean, I uh, you know I have my uh, my misgivings about uh, Last Jedi. There's there's some things that uh, that I don't necessarily love about it, um, you know. But I, I appreciated that you know there was some big bold uh, changes and and you know uh, uh, you know the idea that like there was new force powers introduced and stuff like that. It was like oh, well, I mean. That kind of happens, like like the the force lightning came out of nowhere in the in the Return, the of, the Return of the Jedi, yeah. right? Nobody knew that that was a, a force power, you know. Even the the that's not true. We did see some augmented jumping in like Return of the Jedi, but not like we saw it in like even mm-hmm. even telekinesis was introduced in the Empire Strikes Back. That's true. Nobody really right. never uses telekinesis in, in the original in the original in the original Star Wars. The tricks. force, the force is like a few mind tricks. Like it's, it's actual power is very like, could this all be flim flammery? <laughs> and it's only in empire strikes back where it's like, Oh no, it's actual space. <laughs> well, he does. He does. Darth Vader does choke out the guy in, in a new hope. So there is some 
Oh yeah, tele- they're in the same room. Telekinesis, but he's, then, they're certainly not like chucking rocks. Yeah, and that's in Empire Strikes Back. We see that he's able to choke out someone across who knows how long a distance too. Sure, yeah. like like distance is not a thing with the Force, and and that gets pretty. <laughs> established that's, there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because people were complaining about some of that stuff, too. Yeah, and I mean, they introduced space ghosts in... In, uh, in Empire. In Empire, right? Yeah. Also so, true. Yeah. You know, because they wanted to bring back Ben Kenobi, <laughs> and Obi-Wan was but, famously dead. Yeah, but somehow, like, force projection was not... Like, I guess you can you can force project when you're dead, but not when you're alive! Like, I don't... Why not? <laughs> and notably, it did kill him to do it. So. Yeah, yeah. And that, yeah, that, and we saw that evolution, even if you if you want to include the prequels, which you might as well, where, where Qui-Gon was the one that kind of got there, where he, his voice could be heard afterwards, and then mm-hmm. Obi-Wan got a little bit further, where he could actually be visible, but couldn't... And he did interact with things a little bit. Like, he, he pushed vines out of the way and stuff like that. You see them moving when he walks through them. And then it isn't surprising that, like, once Yoda's gone, that, like, Luke learns even more from them. Sure, yeah. yeah. On, on the potential power. And he's, like, a really powerful Jedi. Yeah, and, and, and Yoda can call down lightning strikes, apparently. <laughs> yeah, it's just an evolution of force lightning. Yeah, right? it's just force lightning. And maybe uh, as a force ghost, you can do more interesting things that way. Because you're less corporeal, less well, local. Well, he was, the, he was the, the, the greatest Jedi master of them all. So you know, it stands to reason he's got bigger, greater powers. Plus, I'm, I'm always happy seeing Yoda being a dick. <laughs> for the record as well. It's closer to his Empire Strikes Back yes. uh, characterization. But for the record as well, it was relieving to see a Jedi solve a problem in a climactic moment without whipping out a lightsaber and hacking someone to pieces. Yeah. Like to actually, and it, and it was a fulfillment of Luke's evolution from return of the Jedi, because at the end of return of the Jedi, he rejects violence, throws his realizing that that's, that that's the path to the dark side. So by confronting Kylo as a, as a hologram and not actually fighting him, but just like, stalling for time, letting his friends get away, saving the rebellion and, and giving them a new myth to build themselves up on mm-hmm. like is so much better than him just showing up and whipping around a lightsaber. Yeah, being yeah. an Obi-Wan as opposed to, to, uh, you know, living Obi-Wan. <laughs> well, and it, and it, and it also follows through on Yoda's ultimate teachings because Yoda through the clone wars saw the folly of, vi- of the violent path and became like a contemplative scholar in his later years and was yeah. trying to impart that to Luke. So yeah. I guess if you're, if you consider the, the prequel trilogy canon, then Yoda, Yoda <laughs> is basically responsible for starting Everything. that war. Right? Yeah. And, and, and thus we come back full circle. What of the, what of the star Wars do you pick and choose as your, well, I don't, I don't really consider the, the prequel trilogy canon just because there's so many dumb ideas. I consider it loose canon. I consider yeah, I it like, like a like the a underlying story is fine. Yeah, like yeah. a like a the execution's garbage. A uh, mythologized I, uh, yeah. retelling of I, events I, that occur. I'll, I'll take that back. Uh, there, there's definitely some things I don't mind about it, but the the midichlorians like that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I just like I just I don't like that idea, and, and I and I'm, and and because the new Star Wars all basically ignores it. Um, you know, it's, uh, I just consider it not really canon for my own purposes. Yeah. You know, there's some things like, there, there's some things that like a, a new writer or, or, or even an old writer in this case can sort of like introduce into a series that in a way sort of like retroactively kind of like makes things less cool. And that was basically <laughs> what, um, the, uh, prequel trilogy did, uh, quite frequently is like basically make, 
um, that what happened in the in the original trilogy sort of like less, less cool, cool. Yeah. and different. Mostly due to Anakin Skywalker. You're like, oh, there's a whiny kid underneath that. It's not very menacing. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out the interesting part of Darth Vader was not his past. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, it was definitely and his he destiny. Was, and he was, really, he was really important, right? Like, they made him really important in the, in the prequel trilogy, whereas in the original trilogy, he's kind of like more like a henchman. You know, oh, he's totally. like he's like yeah. a he's like a head hench, a head henchman. Like he's not really that important. Yeah, he's a he's a a pit bull. So so to make him sort of like you make him like like a prophecy and all that kind of I like I don't I don't genuinely like uh, prophecy as a plot device as it is. So like mm-hmm. when that sort of stuff came up, I was like, no, I don't really like this. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that the execution overall was not good. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, no argument there. Obviously. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, like, I, I, there's definitely some series where I really, I really get a lot more picky and choosy about what I consider canon uh, and what I don't consider canon. ATB has a cool program called Lender that can help you if you need to find alternative funding ideas. ATB matches what you can raise from a crowd. Check out ATB Lender, that's A-T-B-L-E-N-D-R dot C-A to learn more. Is there any like okay? Is there any other series that you guys watch where you just sort of like pick a certain endpoint to uh, a show? Like- oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Angel. Okay, that's fair. Angel was a really good spinoff series from Buffy. I actually liked it better than Buffy. Oh yeah, uh, well, it was a more adult it for grew up with, with the Buffy audience. Yeah, for for the first couple seasons, <laughs> and then I just kind of pretend that that was where it ended <laughs> yeah uh because the last couple seasons really got off the rails a they lot went in a very different direction yeah and i mean i kudos they made some bold choices and uh i just was like yeah i'm, I'm kind of done with this now <laughs> i did enjoy the series finale for that one mostly because of the last line which is like i don't know about you guys but i don't want to ride that dragon and that's the end of the show because <laughs> la just erupted into like a hellscape <laughs> <laughs> um that was incredible yeah um there's uh a lot of people i know who just kind of pretend Battlestar galactica ended like around season three <laughs> <laughs> yeah a uh, loss is I, another one that people have yep. a hard time with the ending of yeah i, I, I don't <laughs> but it was a little esoteric there are so few television series though that go out strong yeah it's really hard it's really hard to end tv series and like um Going back to Star Trek, like Deep Space Nine's ending is pretty pretty rough too. Uh, Ronald D. Moore just doesn't really have a great history with endings. Sticking the ending, yeah, yeah, they're hard. And 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 you know what? Uh, I'm willing to bet that the ending to Game of Thrones will be underwhelming as well. You know, Mm. it's uh, uh, especially considering D and D are writing their own ending to the story, and they are good at adapting and not great at inventing. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, they've they've spoken to Martin, but even Martin doesn't entirely know how it ends, nope. as far as I know. Yeah, he might look at what they do and be like, "Well, I'm not doing that." Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. like, okay, that's one cool. <laughs> well, famously, uh, we had we had kind of talked about Scott Pilgrim, mm-hmm. um, in, the, in one of the breaks, that in one of the breaks. Yet. Uh, but to bring that back in, uh, um, it was not comp- like the comics were not completed at the time the film was. That's right, and. Uh, the uh, the author and I've put myself on the spot and I feel terrible that I can't remember his name. Um, actually borrowed 
elements from the the ending of the film for the, oh, really? of the comic because he was like, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> Fight Club's a good one that way too. Yeah. Uh, the when when uh, the author of Fight Club wanted to do Fight Club two, he wanted to take the movie ending because he liked it more. Well, Michael Crichton wrote uh, Jurassic World or Jurassic Lost Park World. Lost World as a sequel to the movie, not a sequel to his book. Right, even though it isn't, it has a completely different story than the sequel than the it, movie The Lost World. Yeah. they're completely separate. It's very strange because they released them at the same time, but they are not nope. remotely related. Not to each even other. a little. Um, <laughs> The Walking Dead for me. Um, oh, that's an interesting the, one. The comic books, anyway. Um, the comic book actually has the end of the the Negan story in the comic book has this has this great. It actually ends in a great sort of conclusion and arc for Rick. And once I was finished reading that, I was like, oh, you know what? This is a really great place to stop. Uh, and and uh, and then of course the books continued. And I read like the next book, and I was like, "Eh, you know what? I was done with it. I'm just done." <laughs> like that's fair. Yeah. It was the right place it was a, for yeah, me to that stop. That was a really good, like, hard ending to kind of the the, the arc that it started with the first. Yeah, yeah, because he's you know it's it's all the, basically like Rick's storyline throughout Walking Dead is just um, leadership, and and you know he he essentially throughout the series becomes more and more of like a tyrant as as we as you go along and 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 the the completion of the negan storyline sort of like he he basically realizes how wrong yeah, he was right and, and yeah and it's a really it's it's a it's a good a mirror to him yeah, yeah. exactly yeah. like like all good villains are yeah to a hero he is a mirror to the hero's exactly. worst instincts yeah yeah and, it, and yeah rick saw acutely how that could be him if things continued the way they were and decided yeah. to you know, turn left instead. <laughs> I similarly stopped watching the TV series in uh, when uh, Negan during the Negan sort of era, but that was at the beginning of <laughs> Negan. I was like, I was like, this is not going well, and uh, I think I'm finished with it. The TV series has its own problems yeah. with like how long can you keep actors? Sure, yeah, and they're running into that at this, at this ten year mark or ten season mark. That's yeah, because um, Andrew Lincoln is leaving. Yeah, right. Understandably. Yeah, like if, I think any of those actors could now leave and do whatever the fuck. Yeah, they I think want. they're I think they're probably done with filming in Atlanta in the <laughs> in <laughs> summer. You know. Oh man, be. yeah. That that to me, I was like, that would make me not want to do this anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's famously quite a tough shoot. Oh, it's humid and so hot. Yeah. in Atlanta in the summer. Yeah, I think Canon ends up having to be a personal choice to an extent. Um, and that's where the arguments happen, right? Yeah. Is when, yeah. when one person, Star Trek Discovery has brought up a lot of stuff that way with, among the fandom where yep. some people are like really impressed by how much, how much they are sticking to certain elements of canon and other people are seeing that where they departed and, and really focusing on that Yeah, and yeah. just being, and throwing it all out regardless being like no it doesn't look exactly like it should look for the original series yeah because that would look I, it, like garbage really star trek right now is is kind of in this sort of fascinating um <laughs> fractured uh, uh era with the with its canon because there's kind of the well there's two timelines for one thing there's the prime yeah. timeline and the calvin <laughs> timeline yeah minimum and uh but both both of them do uh reference old canon Mm-hmm. Like um, the latest Star Trek movie, Star Trek Beyond, uh, quite uh, frequently yeah, referenced referenced um, um, Enterprise. Yeah, a lot as a discovery. Yeah, uh, which is kind of interesting. It's really interesting how many how many times that um, Enterprise gets referenced in Star Star Trek, <laughs> yeah, considering that the most, Star Trek. Well, most people hated it. <laughs> you know. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm going to flip this around a little bit then. We've been talking about stuff that we like to kind of pretend isn't in our canon. Is there anything that you can think of that you do consider canon as part of your head canon for a series or something? Oh. Because I've got, I've got one notable one, which I've always kind of half-joked about, where I, I consider Parks and Rec to be part of the canon for West Wing. <laughs> and that Chris Traeger is actually uh, the same Rob Lowe character from West Wing after funny. he failed his bid for like the, a congressional seat or a Senate seat. <laughs> he ended up going to Indianapolis, changing his name, getting super into fitness and became Chris Traeger. <laughs> and, good. and that is my personal headcanon for <laughs> how Parks and Rec and West Wing are linked together. <laughs> two government shows. I have two Star Trek ones. Um one is one that I just thought of the other day, but apparently has has made the rounds, which is in City on the Edge of Forever, um, the whole reason Edith Keeler had to die was because that caused the United States to enter World War II long-term, because if she lives, she starts this very famous peace movement, and the Nazis essentially take over, because mm-hmm. uh, they developed the bomb first and everything else. I love the idea that if Edith Keeler lives, that's how the mirror universe starts. <laughs> With this tyrannical, very violent, very... Uh, supremacist um, people being the dominant, the dominant culture from Earth. Yeah. And it just goes out from there. Sam from Cochran shoots the Vulcans and all these things. Right. Yeah. And whereas if either Keeler dies, then you have the, the prime timeline. Right. And then the other one is one that someone posited to me recently, which is that um, Enterprise and Discovery take place in an altered timeline that started because of First Contact, the film. Right. That course corrects itself by the time we hit to the 24th century. So when the Enterprise goes back, it's still mostly correct for them. Right. But the the further back in time we get, the more it gets... Wobbly. Yeah, a little wobbly. Which is just... A, it's, a, it's a fun way to try to yeah, explain that's, those Yeah, if that's how you want to sort of like justify... Yeah, uh, I don't feel like I works. need to because I think design updates are something like dearly needed. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to get hung up on like, oh, it looks different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It should. Yeah. Can you imagine if like in Discovery with their aesthetic... And they and then they were just like, well, we'll just make the Enterprise <laughs> look like how it did in the sixties. Or, or did so discovery with that aesthetic? Yeah, like, it would not for hold sure. Up, like the flat well, lighting no one, in the no one would want to watch it. Like in like and there's and like there's so little. Like you know, in the sixties when they built sets like the 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 Enterprise set, like it's just blank walls. So there's not a oh, lot yeah. of texture to their world. It's very, you know, well, at the, at and the, the time are bright because they wanted to showcase. You know, yeah, because like it was just it was like a new color. TV. The original yeah. series, the Enterprise was really modeled after being kind of Spartan, like a submarine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas by TNG, the Enterprise D is like a cruise ship. Yeah, like yeah. it is a cruise liner made for luxury, complete with families. Yeah, yeah. don't get me and puppies. <laughs> yeah. What happens to the puppies when they're done with them? Do they put them in the matter replicator? <laughs> well, yeah, matter and energy interchangeable. They just become dinner. It's probably where all dead people end up. I, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Some Star Trek poses some hard questions. <laughs> we are all just. We are all just ultimately our food and our poops. <laughs> and, and with that, I believe that is time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you resolve canon problems, right? There. It's the beautiful circle of life. <laughs> uh, so, before we wrap up, uh, does anybody have anything that they want to uh, plug real quick? I have this co- podcast called I Have Some Notes. <laughs> you can find it on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. All the places you can find podcasts. Most so, of those places, it, yeah. you can also find a couple other podcasts I'm part of. Like uh, the read along, which is a mini book club for yours, which I do with my lovely wife Anita, and uh, what about improv, which is an improvised comedy podcast with fine folks 
at Rapid Fire Theater. You should check that out if you'd like a good laugh. I got one this time. Okay. There's a Facebook group that I started called Alberta Trek Talks, and we talk about Star Trek. Um, it is actually quite a bit of fun if you're a Star Trek nerd. Yeah, I'm, I'm in it because we were yeah. we were afraid of clogging everyone's feed with our sure, when discovery yeah. was on with our all our little things. So we decided to <laughs> make it like a spinoff group. Um, but I welcome people to join join up or request to join or however it works. I'm not really sure. Stephanie kind of took over that end of things. <laughs> but uh, we uh, yeah we like talking about Star Trek canon and posting interesting or funny things and it's pretty light. Uh, and not and pretty like accepting as opposed to like just crapping on everything all the time. Yeah, it's not super antagonistic. Yeah, yeah. it's not an antagonistic fan space. It's a very uh, welcoming fan space, unless you're antagonistic, and then it probably won't be very welcoming to you. <laughs> anyway, um, I'd love to talk more about Star Trek stuff because that's uh, what I do all it's the time. It's a big, anyway. broad universe with a lot of canon to to yeah, pour over. Yeah, we have a <laughs> we have a good time, especially when there's new episodes of things coming out. For sure, yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, Alberta Trek Talks on Facebook. Uh, also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you should uh, go and follow I Have Some Notes. We're at all those locations. And uh, if you do like the show, you should uh, give us a rating and a review on iTunes. That's a big boost for us, and we would certainly appreciate it. And uh, maybe one day we'll even make it worth your while. We'll, uh, we'll discuss that. Um, that's that's kind of a, a subtle hint of, of <laughs> things that are in the works. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, uh, you should also check out some other members of the Alberta Podcast Network, like Makeshift Stories. Oh boy, if you like your canon, they might have some for you. I don't know. They're a bi-weekly journey into the improbable with original speculative fiction, sci-fi, and fantasy stories available for all ages. Uh, they explore space, time, alternate realities, alternate histories, the near future, and the unexplained. So their canon is probably all over the place, really. I think that's something that you can expect there. But it should be very accessible and uh, super easy to get into. Uh, you can also check out that show and ours and all the others on the network uh, on G Radio. You can find it at gradio.ca. You can also find our episodes on the CKUA Radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. Uh, we have new episodes every second week. We're coming up on our season finale, though. Oh, boy. And it's oh it's it's going to be a doozy because we're going to be doing Justice League. Yikes. And on that note, I think we're going to call it an end here. Keep watching this, guys. Keep watching this, guys.